The following message is from Central Baptist Church in Maysville, Kentucky, where we keep Christ central. To listen to other messages and to learn more about Central Baptist Church, visit our website at cbcmaysville.com. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. John, chapter 14. You may recall a news headline, something like this, that comes from the New York Times in December the 9th, 1941. It says, the U.S. declares war. The Pacific battle widens. Manila area bombed 1,500 dead in Hawaii. Hostile planes sighted at San Francisco. Could you imagine waking up to the horror of those headlines? Or what about this from the front page of the New York Times on September the 12th, 2001? The U.S. attacked, hijacked jets, destroyed the Twin Towers, and hit the Pentagon in a day of terror. And while not in history, we're all aware of New York Times front page on May the 24th, 2020, where these are old numbers, but U.S. deaths near 100,000 due to, to COVID. An incalculable loss. You know, as we read those Headlines. When it does, it gives us calls, fear, and trouble in our hearts. In part, why? Because it is fresh. We, our hearts, are troubled today. But as we've seen in just these pages of newspapers from decades after decades. There has always been reason for our hearts to be troubled. And we could go back through decade after decade, century after century, going back all the way till the time of Jesus, even in prior to that. And But the good news... Is that our hearts don't have to be troubled. In fact, there is a remedy for our, our troubled hearts. And it comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ as found in, in Scripture. So, as we look this morning here in, in John chapter 14, we're going to look at these first First 11 verses, where Jesus, speaking to his disciples, says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, but believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. And if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, then I will come again and 
take you myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way. You know the way where I am going. But Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. For if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. See if we want to get to the rest of them. There it is. Just wanting to give my delay. All right. Well, in verse eight, as Philip said to him, "Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us." And Jesus said to him, "Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father." How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else, believe an account of the works of themselves. May God bless the reading of his of his holy word. Let not your hearts be troubled. You know the heart is essential to to life. It is the, 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 the field, the lifeblood that, that pumps the blood through, throughout the arteries and the veins. And, and it allows us to go. That's why when, when we are called to take care of our, of our hearts, we, we must make sure that, that, that you know, we, we don't eat poorly so that our arteries, that we don't get clogged arteries. And when we do, thankfully, because of, of science and modern medicine, we can go to the doctor, they can do a heart cath, put a stent in to clear that way because our hearts are vital to life. But I don't think Jesus is speaking of the organ itself and the physical pumping of it to give us life. For we know that our hearts hurt in other ways. I mean, thankfully, I've not been in this position, but from those that have had a heart attack, you know the pain that comes with it. And oftentimes, it's a sudden pain. And you must be rushed immediately to order to, to, to save your life. But... But our hearts can also hurt in a way that's maybe not as sudden and maybe not lead to a, an immediate physical you know, catastrophe, but causes us great pain 
and sorrow. For our heart, as Scripture teaches, it is, it's what... It's kind of our, our core. It's whatever. It's, it's, it, 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 we feel things in our heart. Any teenager ever had your heart broken? Sadly, I've been in that spot a time or two. And it hurts. <laughs> There's been times where people have been physically sick because of a, of a broken heart. Sometimes you'll hear of of, of a, an older person that has passed away, and so you might attribute it to to a a broken heart. Our heart kind of fuels our emotions, our psyche. It, 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 we we ever been around somebody who might say has a cold heart? Right, temperature wise, it's still ninety eight point six degrees, uh, but they're very standoffish, very just the, the walls are up and might say they're just not very pleasant to be around. Or on the flip side of that, we see somebody that has a, a warm heart, somebody that, that is just very affectionate and encouraging because the, the, the heart, the heart is what moves us to, to action, right? The Bible also speaks of the, our heart. We believe in our heart that Jesus is the Christ. The, the gospel is more than just an intellectual head knowledge. It is a belief. The, the heart is attributed to our, our belief system. And, and because it is, it is so connected to our entire being, our hearts can bring us great joy but it can also bring us great sorrow. And while we have every reason for our heart to be troubled, whether that is just difficult life circumstances, whether it is the, 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 the COVID pandemic that has caused you to have to just completely uproot your life from the things that you used to, to do. Or the anxiety and the, 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 the worry that comes from when you're turning on the news to hearing now Russia's going to war with Ukraine and are we going to enter into that? And Maybe life at, at work or at, in your home is just causing you strife. We have every reason for our hearts to be troubled. But it's not a new phenomenon. You know, it, it, kind, of, it kind of weaves itself in different ways. But, but here, in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You know, this is a fairly popular passage. I've preached messages on uh, this, John chapter 14. But one of the neat things about when you're, you're kind of just going through, through the, the books of, of the Bible is, is we see how one is connected to, to the other. So we know that, that, that as we, we, we looked at last week at the end of John chapter 
13 and even prior to that, Jesus is, is still in the upper room here. They have taken the, 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 uh, the Last Supper. Right? Judas has already stormed out of the room and Peter says, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, wherever you go. And Jesus himself says, no, you're not. You're going to deny me. Not just once, not just twice, but three times before the rooster crows. <laughs> and Jesus is about to enter into the darkest hours of his earthly life. But what does he say? He doesn't say, My heart is troubled. My heart is grieved. No, he says, let not your heart be troubled. I can imagine the, the inner heart wrecking that Jesus is going through. For he knows what is about to take place. Unlike the disciples, they, they, don't, they, they, they don't have it figured out just yet. But, but Jesus knows that he is going into the garden of Gethsemane. He will sweat drops of blood as he painfully weeps over the people that he loves. That he will be arrested, betrayed by one of those closest to him. That he will be beaten and flogged and unjustly hung on a cross to die. He knows what he's going into. I guarantee you his heart is troubled. But this is the beauty of our Savior Jesus. Is that in the midst of knowing where he is going, he is of ultimate concern for those that he loves. So he's seeking to bring comfort and hope to his, to his disciples. And he says the remedy here for a troubled heart is to believe in God. And believe also in me. It's the same remedy for us uh, to, today. It's to believe in God and to believe in, in Jesus. You know, there's studies that, uh, that have been, um, been done on, um, you know, not in a, a religious sense, but in a um, kind of in a, in a research type in settings, looking at that those individuals that that have faith and the levels of anxiety, overwhelmingness that, versus those that, that, that don't. And while being a follower of Jesus does not mean that all of a sudden you're going to be super calm and, and collecting, you're never going to have a, a worry. No, we worry. If that was the case, Paul wouldn't have to tell us don't worry. Right? Jesus wouldn't have to say don't worry about tomorrow. Don't be anxious about anything. No, we, we still struggle with that. But, but there is, a, there is a, a difference between those who believe in God. And this one study that I was reading talked about how they kind of based the, 
you know, in order to analyze data, they looked at those people that, that went to church versus those that did not. And two out of three versus one of those that went to church were, were more calm. They, they struggled less with, with worry, with anxiety, things such as, as that things that, you know, we could say that their hearts were, were troubled. Now, I think, why is that? And ultimately, it is because our faith of the hope of the future. But also, it's this connectedness that we have with the church. So it's our relationship to God and also our relationship with other people, other believers in the church. You see, Jesus goes on and he says that in my Father's house there are many rooms. And if it were not so... What I have told you, that I go to prepare a place for you. So Jesus is providing encouragement to his disciples saying, look, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to go get things ready for you. I'm going to go and, and, and where I am going, there are many rooms past weekend, think of Jess's uh, uh, parents who had kept the kids uh, they were down at granddaddy's house this morning and um, and <laughs> realized I didn't realize it at the time but just mentioned that this is the really the first time that we've been childless since the beginning of, of, of COVID and so we took advantage of that and went down to Lexington, stayed the night Friday night got a, got a hotel and uh, but as I was looking to make reservations, I started looking at the different uh, different hotels and different many different you know qualities and price points and everything. But one thing that I, I noticed as I was going through a lot of them is those said that it was unavailable, unavailable. And anybody ever gone to to plan a vacation and you find that you can't stay here? It's booked, booked, booked. Thing is, where Jesus is going. You're never going to get a, a no vacancy sign. The Bible says that all who called on the name of the Lord will be saved. See, we have that blessed assurance, not in ourselves, not in our performance, not in our getting everything right. No, we are able to go to heaven and to, to, to dwell in the presence of God in glory because of what Jesus has done. He is the one that has prepared the place for us. He is the one that brings us salvation. He is the one that gives us life. the beauty of what we see in these verses in my father's house are many rooms see the thing about Christianity versus some other um, you know, faith traditions that, that, that teach there's kind of a high or different places based on you know how uh, whatever level that, that you are at Christianity teaches no We all get to experience the mansions of of glory. 
But we don't really see a lot in, in, in the Bible as to what that looks like. We, we have some imagery that is given in, in the book of Revelation. Is it true that there's going to be streets of gold in the sense that we see or, or uh, rooms of uh, sapphire and ruby? I, it can be debated whether that's tended to be allegorical or not. But regardless, what we see is that it is far better than anything. That we could ever imagine. You know, a lot of times you'll go to uh, uh, when you go to a, a funeral and hear of people, loved ones, talk about the one that has, has passed. You might hear things that you know, so and so. I bet he's up there catching that biggest bass that he's ever ever gone after. Or I hear there, you know what? I bet he's playing on the nicest golf course that's ever been given. Or up there strumming the guitar like. Like never before. Now, some people on a theological level would, would say, well, that's not right. That We don't see that in the Bible. Why in the world, you know, would they ever think something like, you know, like, like that? And, and I, I, I don't see it that way. Because what I see is that us picturing the best thing that we could ever do. What brings us the most enjoyment in life? Because that's what we want to see in heaven. And even greater news in whether it is catching the biggest bass that you've ever saw or playing the Masters, Augusta National, it's far greater than even that. Our minds can't comprehend what heaven is going to be like. But we know that there are many rooms. And not just that, but Jesus is going to prepare the place for us. It shows us how close Jesus is, but also how great he is. And not only, I mean, it's as if you're, you know, you're, um, when we, we do this a lot, we'll go, when we go down to, to, to stay with my parents, um, they kind of spruce things up a little differently than they probably would on the normal days. They make sure that the, the sheets are washed, the fresh comforters laid out. They, they prepare the place for us. If you ever had people over, right, and for, for a, a get together, you don't just sit back and just say, well, we're just going to let them, you know, see us as we always. No. You, you go to put your best foot forward, don't you? Hey, you don't just give them the ramen noodles. No, you, you, you grill the steak. Or, or you don't just, you know, to, you, you, you want to look the best that you can. And so Jesus is going before us to prepare that place. But not just that. He doesn't just leave us to figure out how to get there. No, he says that I will come again. And I will take you myself. I will come again. I will come back and take you myself. You see, friends, this is the hope that we have. That, that yes, we got through World War II. We got through September 11th, 2001. And we will get through COVID-19, 2020, whatever. I don't know how you classify it. But our hope isn't in our current situation. Our hope is in the future of glory. 
That's why Christians rejoice knowing that, yes, we grieve the loss of a loved one, but we know that in faith we will see them when we be reunited with them in glory. And, and Jesus doesn't say, here's the place. Just figure out how to get there the best that you can. No, he said, I'm coming back and I'm going to take you there. So how do we get to heaven, to this mansion with many rooms? Well, good question. One that the disciples themselves asked, right? Thomas and asked him, he said, look, we don't know how to get there. How are we going to to get there. And Jesus says. I. Am the way. I. Am the truth. And I. Am the life. Let those words sink in. I. Am. The way. I. Am. Am the truth, and I am the life. So many of us are searching for the way. We just wish that we could know the truth, and we'd really like to live the good life. But Jesus makes it explicitly clear that we don't have to figure it out. We don't have to start wandering in the, around and trying to feel, well, I, I hope this is the way, or maybe this is it, or this, and well, no, that's the, no, no, the, there is one way. There is one direction to to this mansion of many rooms, and that is through Jesus. There is one truth. We don't have to figure it, it out. Our, our salvation is not based on our, our you know, deductive reasoning or how well we are able to, 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 to comprehend knowledge. There's no... There's no SAT exam in order to, to, to get into to heaven, in order to, to pass. No, for Jesus is the truth. And guess he, he, he got a 1600. But he is also the life. I think for so many of us, we long, we, we just really want to live life now. <laughs> I know I, I do. And I tell you how, you know, it just, it, this season that we've been in, it can almost feel claustrophobic. Yeah, even if you're able to even to get out and to go places, you're, you're always, it just, it just feels like we can't get out of this bubble that we're in and we just want to, 
experience life the way that it was. And I believe that we'll get to that point. But what we have to live for is far greater than just getting on the other side of a pandemic or overcoming a world war or a great depression. For our life that we are looking forward to is far greater than anything we could ever encounter here on earth. And again, our life comes not through our performance, not through our doing all of the right things, making all of the right decisions, investing in the perfect ways, and you know, hopefully this crypto thing takes off so that I can just take it easy, and I don't even understand any of that. But our life is explicitly tied to Jesus' death. It kind of seems like an oxymoron, doesn't it? That life is gained through death. But in God's love for us, it is not our death, but it is in the death of His Son, Jesus. For while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He troubled His own heart so that we might not have to experience eternal death and damnation in hell. But so that we might live in glory. Jesus is the light. He is the way. And He is the truth. And He is coming back to take us Himself. Right? He doesn't just give you a map and say, you know, do it all right and, and, and you'll get there. He doesn't give us a a GPS and say, hopefully you don't lose service or the batteries don't die and that way you can... No, our assurance is that He is coming back. And we, we will be ready when the time is right. See, our hope is in, in the future. That this is not all there is to live for. Although it may be really good, maybe not as good. And in fact, next week we're going to look at the, how we cling to this, these truths in our everyday action. But ultimately our hope is in the future. So that our hearts may not be troubled. And so what do we do right now? I mean, you know, some people will will say, okay, well, if I'm just waiting for Jesus to come back, then nothing else matters, right? Why should I do anything here and and now? Well, I think one we can look to the example of the the, the disciples. Right? Jesus's ministry on earth was 3 years or so. He died and he rose from the dead and entered back into heaven. But 
Peter and many of the other disciples lived decades longer and served faithfully in, in ministry. They were with Jesus. They saw Him die. They saw Him rise. They saw Him ascend into heaven. And, and yet they clung to this hope. They encountered things that persecution that we probably will never experience. But they did so. Right? Through the power of the gospel, through Jesus, through their belief in God. Did they believe perfectly? No. No. Thomas got his name, Doubting Thomas. He got it honestly. This is passage here is before Peter denies Jesus and the rooster crows. Right? It's not until the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that we see them. We see it take off. But what do we, we do here today in this day and Time. How can we not let our hearts be troubled? And I want us to, I'm going to kind of go back uh, here just to uh, where we were last week. I shared with you about uh, Pastor Scott Sauls down in, uh, at Christ Presbyterian Church down in, in Nashville. And, uh, and they've kind of taken this idea of, of these, these six things that, uh, that they seek to to live by these principles, and I want to see how do we let not our hearts be troubled. You know, one is to be in church every every Sunday because you know it's it breaks my heart when those who love the church can't come. How but how much of an encouragement it is to see those that are. Able to come to come back because right, the church, this is our uh, kind of our our safe place. It brings us comfort, but it also is a place to challenge us. It, it, it's it can be kind of our fueling station. When the the car gets empty, you got to put more gas in it. And and we come to encourage each other, to build each other up. But it's not enough. We seek daily to be in God's Word. Because how do we know the truth? It's been revealed to us in the Bible. And we commune with God through prayer. Every day. It's our lifeblood. We need to be invested in Christian friendships. It's a lonely world out there. And it's more lonely today than it was, I think, decades prior. We may not admit it, but we need Deeper friendships, particularly with other believers. Let me think about it right now. Who do you have in your life that you could share anything with? 
think one of the reasons why our hearts are troubled these these days is because we bottle everything up inside. And we feel like we just can't share. And, and, And guess what? We, we bear it alone. Now, sometimes it's our own pride. Well, nobody will understand me. Nobody can, you know, or I just can't look. Man, if I, if I tell them what I'm really thinking, then they're going to think less of me. And I just can't, you know, what I, that's going to make things worse. But when we do that, do you know what we're doing? We're, we're making ourselves like Jesus. For He is the one that bore our burdens on Calvary. We don't have to bear it alone, so we take it to the Lord in prayer. But we also bear one another's burdens as fellow believers in Christ. So who's that friend that you can call or text at middle of the night? I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm in a dark place. But we must also invest in non-Christian friendships. Why? Well, Jesus says he's going to, to his house, father's house, where there are many rooms, right? If we know the way, the truth, and the life, and we don't share it with others. Oh my gosh, we're the most unloving, selfish people imaginable. We must invest in non-Christian friendships, not to see, well, I'm going to check, all right, this person I've led to the Lord, you know, as a uh, earning our way into God's good graces. But because of our love for fellow mankind. I, I know because I've heard many of you share with me how you have those, whether it's in your family or, or, or friends, that just life struggles and and you see them, they're, they're looking in different ways, whether that's through alcohol, substances, or trying to, you know, through just different means, but they, they're not looking to Jesus. And how much you try to, you point them to that. And, and what's hard for us, and it's hard because we can't force it. No, they themselves have to believe in the way, the truth, and the life. But our only job is, is to share it. But we also serve and, and give to the church. It is hard to have a troubled heart when you are generous in giving. Now, yes, you may worry, well, if I give too much, then what's going to... Well, most of the time that's not going to, to happen. But when you give, it's this idea of selflessness. When we're all concerned about what I get, I guarantee you we're never going to get enough. So what can we give? And be kind and generous and other-oriented homework and play to those neighbors in need. Kindness, generosity, it warms our hearts. It, it takes a cold heart and it heats it up. And guess what? It's contagious. 
Uh, while we may feel bad for the cold-hearted person, we don't really want to be around them. But those that are warm and exuberant, it's weak because we, we, we feed off of, of that energy. And so we must be both. We must seek out those in need. And we must, we must share with them the good news of Jesus. But we must also, right? We must also to ourselves be warm and kind and generous. So that that those can see the life that Christ, the change that has happened in, in us. So let not your hearts be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. This morning... This season, because what we have to live for is far greater than where we are today. For we have victory in Jesus. My Savior forever, He sought me. He bought me with His redeeming blood. Oh, He he loved me ere I knew Him. And all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. I heard about a mansion he has built for me in glory. And I heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea. About the angels singing and the old redemption glory in some sweet day. Oh yes, I will sing up there the song of victory. May he be your victory. Thank you for listening to this message. To listen to other messages and to learn more about Central Baptist Church, visit our website at cbcmaysville.com.